we're going to talk about how to identify if you're in a compromising relationship and how to avoid compromise in an unhealthy way. So we're going to talk about that in a moment. But before we do that, one or two other things I'd like to share with you first. So, ah, oh, it's so nice. Um, the first is we talked about reimagining the 6 p.m., and we started that out by having that night of worship. And then we're introducing a slightly different evening service structure to the way we do the service. Tonight, I want to introduce to you the third uh, installment uh, in those changes. And that is uh, starting next week already. But if possible, even from tonight, you can go and have a conversation with Dean about this. Starting next week, we're going to make some changes also to Warehouse One and to our dream team or volunteer structure. And this is what's going to happen. We were hoping already to have some fires out there tonight. But as you can tell, this wouldn't be the night to try and prove that you can light a fire like outdoors, right? But what we will do is have a whole commitment into gathering and hanging out after church, which will include some worship uh, videos on the screen in Warehouse One and popcorn free for everybody because I think you've got to have some popcorn once a week at least. And some hangout that includes some good quality food added to the good quality food already there by summer, maybe some non-alcoholic cocktails and milkshakes and, you know, some stuff, you know. So supper could be sorted at church at the same time. And we're looking for, are you agreeing with that? There's a lot of amening going on there. So choices are few from here home. It's McDonald's and KFC. So we want to do something for that. But more importantly, for church service itself, I'm going to invite you uh, to consider joining Dream Team. Can you still hear me? It's okay. I can just talk through the... Do you know what I'm saying to my own heart, CP? Is that this is God's affirmation and sign of the former and latter rain falling at one time for a revival. I'm holding on. Yes, 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 yes. But we're, build, we're rebuilding the net. You know, fishermen in the Bible had to have a net to catch fish. And the net is really the, the relationships, the gifts, the strategies, and the people that you put together to be able to make a difference in the world. And our dream team in the 6 p.m. needs its net rebuilt. And what I mean by that is we're looking for people who feel, first and foremost, feel called to serve God's people in this house as an act of worship. And secondly, we're looking for people who are quite keen to sign up and be available either as hands and feet or as, as prayer warriors or as ministry or even as leadership in certain spaces. We're taking that whole structure and opening the door and inviting you to step into it. I believe that come summer, December, when this year comes to an end, there won't be enough seats for the people that God wants to minister to in this house in this year still. And in order to do that, we have to have a solid net. Can you say amen to that? And that means people who are going to do a couple of things. People who are going to serve in the lounge, uh, answering questions to, for those who visit uh, or have questions. That'll mean praying for people after the service. It'll mean 
helping out in welcome, standing outside, not tonight, but with signs saying, welcome to church, in the parking lot, helping people park, in coffee shop, creating a vibe, and just being present and available for God to use you. And Dean, won't you just jump up here for a moment. Dean is going to act as point person because we're not broadcasting the evening service. And so he doesn't need to be in the studio. This is Dean, everybody. You see him online. And he's going to act as point person to gather all the people keen to serve. It would take about 50 people per Sunday. And if you're on one week and off another 100 in total to build the net of what God needs to fulfill the things he wants to do in the house. And we've done it before. We're going to do it again. And, and, and we're really excited about building that. But there is a requirement. I don't have time for this, but in Acts chapter 6, there was a little bit of a tension. The, the church in Acts got a bit big, and the pastors were also serving the food. And then some people were saying, hey, where's my prayer? And other people were saying, hey, where's my food? And the, and the disciples said, no, we can't, we can't do that. We need to raise up people. And they raised up people to, to serve. And then they said, but we'll give ourselves to prayer and the word of God. And they created tasks in the church. But here was what the power was. They prayed for anointed people to help serve the food. And I, I'm, you know, you need people with a heart for God who know the presence of God and can operate in the power of God, even if it's making a cappuccino. Capability must be matched by calling. And capable moment. That's how, I should have you standing up here helping me do that. And, you know, I think sometimes you fall into the pattern of having capable people, but I don't really feel called to do anything, you know. And then it just creates an organization, but it doesn't create a family. And we're the family of God, and we're going through the spaces, and we're building a net because we believe God has prepared a great catch of souls into the kingdom of God in this next couple of years, but starting this year. And so we've set ourselves the task through prayer and fasting to put a team together that are the right people with the right calling and the right character in the right place. And I want you to jump on this. There's a gap at the moment. Get into it. Me, myself, I've applied. I'm applying for band. I've, I haven't been accepted, but I'm applying for coffee making. They're sort of on the fence about that. But jump in. Because this is an opportunity for you to see something come to life from its conception to its fulfillment. And I want to invite you to do that. Can you say amen to that? So Dean's your guy to talk to. And I think you're going to be at, at, the, at the chapel, that entrance three after the service. Go have a chat to him and he'll point. Usually we use starting point, but we're not going to wait five people at a time each month to get into Dream Team. We're just going to do a big uptake and then training and then laying on of hands and releasing, getting you, getting you going. From leadership, we're going to go all the way from eldership, all the way through all the spaces in the church and fill men and women of God as the need has arisen. Can you say amen to that? So, so thank you so much, Dean. And then one more thing, and I do have a word, and I will share it before it, uh, I, I can do this in the name of Jesus. I, I want to invite two born-again therapists up onto the stage quickly, and I'm going to invite Alan Arfelt and Sipe. Won't you guys come on up here? They, uh, they are married, but to other people, just to clarify. 
Um, and and CPA, both are, 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 are registered uh, therapists who uh, Alan sees both individually but does the corporate uh, and leadership space within within companies, actually has an office right here at the church, and CPA also seeing people. And you know, uh, the, the biggest, the probably the second, no, maybe the biggest request for prayer on the prayer request cards we get is from people navigating something to do with their headspace. Mental health, and as Alan introduced this morning, mental wealth, anxiety, perhaps a little bit of depression or something uh, troubling you in your mind. And uh, we, we believe fully that the Word of God is a solution and an answer to every situation. And, and so we took a decision. Why don't we open an opportunity for these guys who know how to, through a biblical perspective, teach us about these things, that if you're struggling with something or you know someone in your family and you want to know how to help them, that we should invite these guys to do a seminar for us on equipping you for that. And it's happening this coming Friday evening and Saturday morning. And I think the details are on the screen. But I just wanted you to hear their hearts. Is it on the screen? Not yet? It's just the crazy part. It's just the crazy part. Okay, we're going to come, we're going we're gonna to go from the crazy to the, to the cold. But I just wanted to ask them the question, the same question I asked them this morning. Hey guys in production, if you've got the details from the seminar, now would be a great time. Just a nice time to put it up there. Or at least take the crazy stuff uh, off the screen. Uh, I thought I just wanted to ask them the question why, why they think it's valuable for Christians, believers uh, even, to have conversations like this and, and, and to invite you guys to this process. So, Sipa, do you want to go first again? Um, age before beauty. Wow. Girls first. What, what, what is a girl? <laughs> wow, he went there. Um. Um, jokes aside, Pastor G, um, people are broken. And people need to understand that you may not be at fault for your brokenness, but you are responsible for healing from that brokenness. And sometimes part of that healing is recognizing that you are broken, where the brokenness started, and how is the brokenness playing out in your life at the moment? How is that brokenness replaying in your relationships? We do things that we, we don't know why we do them. We're not aware, why, why do I think in this way? Why do I behave in this way, even if I don't want to? And this seminar is an opportunity for you to come and find out some things about yourself, where they stem from, and how you are continuing that cycle. Because remember, some things, the brokenness happened 10 years ago. And yet they are operating in that space of brokenness. Why? What about you or what about me is maintaining my brokenness? the same people to love. Exactly. exactly. Spend your money the same bad way and still can't sleep at night. Uh, I think I did say this this morning. I think Sipa should preach some, some night. I think that would really be great. Alan, would you like, uh, would you like to share on an invitation to this conversation? Yeah, thanks. Um, I made reference to uh, the Greeks and the philosophy, uh, Socrates, I think, specifically. And one of the sayings is to know yourself. And, and I like that saying because it's important to know yourself. 
But I like a biblical perspective of that as well. And this morning I, I said, um, you know, the second commandment. And, and I doubted myself because I went and checked up the Ten Commandments and it's not there. <laughs> it summarizes <laughs> half of the commandments. But, but it's what Jesus said when he was, when he was uh, trying to be, um, trying to be uh, caught out by the, the Pharisees, I think. And he said, you know, he said... Um, Love the, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And the second commandment is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. And I think, and I'm not talking to the narcissists out there. Um, do we actually even like ourselves in so many ways? Have we allowed other people to say the things to us that we've said to ourselves in the mirror? on certain days when we've done certain things. And I think understanding yourself and being able to understand where we go in those places of stress and put in mitigating structures of thinking and competencies is really something that we're going to get out of this weekend. Um, I was listening to, to a YouTube video and, and, and I hadn't... A, well. You know, I say that often, Ellen, and people keep confusing you as me and me as you um, when they have to find other ways of... Uh, I'm going to interrupt you for a moment because I'm watching my time. Um, I had a conversation with somebody after last Sunday night about relationships, and the person made a very powerful statement. It was quite scarring. I was shocked, apropos to what you're saying. I said to them, they said they're in a terrible relationship. I won't expose names. I said, they said uh, they were in a terrible relationship, but they made the following statement. They said, but I think that's all I can get. And you know what I realized? Sometimes people, people date a broken person because they think they're even more broken. That's actually an advantage. They think they're doing well because they like themselves so little that they doubt they would get better. And I think we have to break those habits and set our minds right and be transformed by the renewal of our minds. So these guys are going to be here Friday, Saturday. The seminar is free of, of, of charge. You sign up by putting your name down on a clipboard and you don't have to be crazy to attend. But you're welcome if you are. Everybody's welcome. Can I, can I ask you to thank these guys as they, as they take the seats? Thank you so much, you guys. So I can do this um, in the next 15 minutes. Is that okay? Yeah. Uh, there is an email address up on the screen. It's crazyloveatfathershousesa.org. If you have a question relating to the conversation of relationships, you could email it to me. I've received several, and I'm saving them for uh, one of the final nights. Of course, the, perhaps one of the most common questions comes under the topic of unequally yoked, and what does that mean? So I'm going to tackle a little bit of answering that question tonight. Uh, I've already started in this uh, evening service last Sunday talking about counterfeit relationships and the danger of being in a relationship that makes you behave in a way that isn't yourself. We're not setting ourselves up to judge other people and determine if they counterfeits. We're just making sure we don't have to be fake in order to be in this relationship. 
of any kind. And then this morning I talked about contaminated relationships, and it's on YouTube. Um, speaking of YouTube, Alan. And the evening service is only on podcast, so we do record the audio if you want to share it with someone. But tonight I want to talk to you about compromising in relationships. Do you know, there are some things that are good compromises. For example, compromising on preferences and tastes like meals, for instance, or compromising on certain decisions once you're in a relationship. But compromise is one of the most dangerous uh, tools in the devil's hand when it's used incorrectly. And I want, I want to describe to you a little of what compromise is about from a biblical point of view. And I'll, I'll take you to a passage of scripture about that in a moment concerning being unequally yoked. I'm just, I, I just need a little bit of, I just need a little bit of help to, to get me, to get me there. So who can I pick upon uh, in the in the front few rows. I mean, I know this is always very dangerous, but Vince, I mean, you're right there. You're right in my line of sight, and you're going to like this example. Would you, would you mind just coming and standing, coming and standing over there for me, please? Uh, and you could, I need you, yeah, towards the edge of the stage, on that side. Yeah, there we go. Thank you. Let's, let's imagine for a moment that this is me. And I am here. But God wants me to be there, and a bit more like that guy. He's a very nice guy, but I'm here. So the distance I must cover between here and there is a process of spiritual maturity, and I won't be able to cover all of it on my own, so God needs to put people in my life. Now, let's imagine, now this is tough, because now I need to choose somebody who's going to play like the devil's advocate role, and who do I choose <laughs> the pressure is so great. Anybody nearby willing to volunteer the job? Just to, just, just to volunteer the job. Seko, are you volunteering? It's so unfair because you're such a nice guy. You should also be there. But, but I'll tell you what. So as not to be controversial, I'm going to ask you to take a seat. I don't want to be controversial, but I'd like a lady to play this part. Would that be Okay. So I don't want to be controversial. Any, any ladies willing to volunteer up front here? Emily, are you going to do it? Are you going to do it? Sorry, sorry, Sigurd. Would, would you mind just standing over here? Now, you're only playing a role, right? Because you're the nicest. I mean, you should be on that side, of the other side of Vincent. But this is the principle of compromise. I think many of us don't. Always understand, biblical compromise, not compromise over what we're having for dinner. Biblical compromise is I'm here, God wants to get me there, and he doesn't want me to go it alone because two is better than one, the Bible says. So the sense of whether it's in marriage or in friendships, there is a sense of community. So I associate myself with somebody. So would you like to come a little closer? and I associate myself in community, the highest form of that common unity is marriage. Compromise is finding anybody in your life who doesn't shift you in this direction, but either keeps you where you are or takes you in the other direction. The compromise distance biblically is the distance not between who I was and who I am now because of this relationship. The biblical compromise of distance is not that. It is where I am now and where I ought to have been. 
The distance I've lost is all of that ground, not just the little bit from here to there. And one of the greatest challenges of biblical community is the idea that everything should work together toward the good that God has in mind for me. And if it doesn't, I don't just lose a little bit of ground, I lose future ground and the opportunity of what God had intended over my life. That's the danger of compromise. Would you two wonderful saints, really both wonderful saints, uh, Vincent is, is married, but I think Emily is available if you guys would like to submit your applications. Um, and <laughs> that was embarrassing. So glad there's something live streamed right now around the world. Um, and so it's in this context that the passage of Scripture I want to read to you jumps into play. It's 2 Corinthians chapter 6. It simply says, do not... Um, no, sorry, guys, I'm, I, I'm, um, I'm past there. Second uh, Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14 says, Do not be yoked together with unbelievers, for what does righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship, here's the word, the common union or community of the purpose of God. Now, let me, let me just, before I carry on reading, the term yoking, you know what that is, right? The term yoking is what you do with two cattle, you put a yoke on their shoulders and you use them to plow a field. So there's a task on the yoking. God has put a task or a purpose or a value in your life. And you can live with anyone, anyone, but you can't fulfill God's purpose on your life with anyone. That's the difference. A lot of people think, well, I, I like her. I could live with her. We could make a life together. I could love her. That's wonderful. That forms part of a little piece of your life. But could you fulfill the purpose of God on your life with her? Is there purpose and, and, and power in the unity of the two coming together? Or are you just as everybody else out there loving life, but not living it out? according to God's purpose. I said this morning, it seemed to get a good reaction. And I thought you should remember it too. If you marry people only because you're in love, call it the puppy love phase, like puppy love. If you marry people during the puppy love phase, only be careful you don't land up with a dog's laugh. What you want is to be in a relationship with someone, not for puppy love, but for purpose love. I love the purpose on your life. And I want to be active in helping you fulfill that purpose. That's what this whole scripture about being yoked together is concerning. It's not about whether two good people can make a good life. Absolutely. And even non-Christians do that, surely. Good people just making a good life and raising great kids. No, I want to be in a relationship and have people in my life, not just marriage relationships, that are the part of God's purpose in my life, not just part of puppy love in my life. Can you say amen to that? And I think there's a real recognition of the power and the value of that. What fellowship can light have with darkness? What harmony is there between Christ and Bilal? Or what does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? What agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. 
That's as far as I, I, I want to read on that scripture tonight. But I want to encourage you to think about reading 2 Corinthians 6, the rest of it. It's about creating the harmony of what God has planned in your life or the agreement about what God has planned in your life. That means you shouldn't be dating anybody until you know where you're going because you're inviting somebody to come along on the trip. Oh, Gets very quiet here suddenly. I know some of you are thinking like this guy's single, so now he wants us all to stay single. But <laughs> just give me a minute. No, I think what's important about that biblically is that you shouldn't have anybody as a placeholder, as if they were your wife or as if they were your husband, occupying your life while you don't yet know what God wants from it. Have friendships, build communities, know how to be in fellowship first. And when you have a sense of where God's taking you, open your heart to somebody else who's on the same road at the same pace, going in the same direction. Look at one another and say, hey, babe, let's get there together. Otherwise, you might be in a relationship with somebody who's very slow. I mean, directionally, not emotionally, not mentally. I know what you thought there. You looked at, and in fact, some of you even looked at the person next to you and you're like, yeah, slow. But I, I'm, I, mean, <laughs> I mean, slow in the direction. So now you want to go somewhere, but you can't because the capacity of the person with you can't go with you there. You got to be careful because you may want to be in a boardroom someday, but you're married to somebody who doesn't know how to speak in a boardroom. They will embarrass you in the boardroom. So you're only useful in the... What were you thinking? Excuse me. I'm just interested... In the kitchen. Nansoge, the saints came through. It's amazing the power of alliteration. It leads your mind to a certain direction, doesn't it? And all of you had the thought of bedroom. If you could come forward for healing, uh, because you're not married, you shouldn't be thinking, you shouldn't be thinking about that. You see, uh, this is not only true in husband and wife type relationships, it's true in all the relationships you put close in your life. If you're the CEO of a company, but you employ somebody to look after your books who doesn't have capacity, your company will not grow to the size of your vision. It will grow to the size of the capacity of the people in your relationship circle. That's what will happen. Capable moment? You're dreaming multinational, but you're employing somebody who can't handle a petty cash. Well, how are you going to do that? What you've got is people who can't go with you where you're going. And this is a really powerful idea because sometimes the frustration of unfulfilled dreams, be it from the husband or the wife, that frustration turns into a continuous stream of anger, disappointment or bitterness. And you can't work out why the person is so angry. And you can't work out why the person is so bitter. There's no one event that seems big enough to result in so much frustration. The event is trying to pull somebody with you when they don't want to go with. That's the frustration and that's the tension. Not only that, you need to have somebody who isn't only wanting to come with you, 
But when they see you're a little down or that you've forgotten the vision and the dream on your life, they are there to whisper a reminder and an encouragement of what God has put in your life. You know, when you have those days when you say to yourself, I've actually had enough. I'm tired of being an entrepreneur. I'm tired of doing this. I'm tired of doing that. You need to have somebody standing alongside you. See, this is the yoked together thing, which says, I'll carry a little today because you, you, you're not carrying as much. So don't worry, I, I got you. I'll carry you. But don't worry, we're going in the right direction anyway. So I'll, I'll carry you a little. What you don't want is somebody who's dead weight to begin with, dragging them along into your destiny. And then when you're tired and stopping, they're like, yeah, I'm so glad. I'm so tired of living this spiritual life. I'm so tired of, you need somebody. You see, you need somebody when you're not in the mood for reading Scripture who has enough love for you to say, hey, babe, let's open the Bible. Let's open the Bible and let's talk this out with the Lord. You don't want somebody substituting the, the Bible with something else, some other kind of reading material or some other kind of focus or some kind of other kind of interest when they should be the supporter that lifts you up and takes you to the foot of, feet of Jesus. That's actually what you need. And you know, so many people are unequally yoked, not because they're Christian and non-Christian, but they're not in harmony. It wasn't just unbelief and believer, uh, 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 the temple of God versus the temple of idols. It's harmony. That they, they're not in harmony with the master conductor, God himself, conducting your life and directing it. That they get out of harmony with each other. They're simply singing different songs or going in different direction. That is one of the greatest temptations the devil gives us. What was the temptation that Adam and Eve had? Compromise. Did God really say, surely one little apple, one little pear, isn't going to make that big a difference? And so they negotiated in their minds down from God's best to something less. That was, a, they, you know, they didn't, their temptation wasn't sexual immorality. They didn't fall from sexual immorality. That wasn't pride. They didn't say, I'm the greatest, or they wanted to be better, but, I mean, there were only the two of them. You know, that, I think I've preached on this before. It's the most remarkable thing what the devil did there. The devil convinced them to disobey God in order to be more like God, in order for them to get something they already were, which is to be created in the image of God. The devil made them pay a price for what they already owned. That's like me coming and stealing something from your house and then setting up a shop outside your door and saying, would you like to buy some cool stuff I recently acquired? That's what the devil did. He stole something that they already had had in order to sell it back for them in exchange for their soul. That's a tough deal. That's a tough deal. Do you know what they fell through? Compromise. Did God really say, is that really the direction? How am I supposed to do it? And I just wanted to encourage you tonight to be really careful and mindful of the risk and danger of bringing people into your inner circle and your ultimate circle. I'd love to preach about that someday. You've got to have people who fit into your inner circle just as much as they fit into your ultimate circle. Because, you know, we're a community and people are part of a community at all times. And you want to have somebody who grows in that direction with you. And so my first principle on how to be free from compromise is to have affirmation, confirmation, and input from healthy community. Do you know that sometimes people, other people know you more than you know you? 
I'm always amazed by that. I think I know myself really well. And then somebody else will just say, that's not you. That's not you. And I'll have to double, I'll have to think about it because I think people get to know you. Community gets to know you. You know, David, when he was having a downtime and he wasn't sure how to get out of his frustration, he recounts some friends saying to him, don't you want to come to the house of the Lord and pray and praise this out? So much so that he writes in the Psalms, I was glad when they said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Now, sometimes people just need to know you well enough to know, hey, you need to. I remember a few years ago sitting with a friend. Um, he's known me 25 years, known me as a young student pastor and a youth pastor and all through the years. And one day he invited me for coffee. He sat me down and he said, how much reading, spiritual reading are you doing? I said, well, I read my Bible every day. He said, no, 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 spiritual reading. I said, well, it's been a while since I picked up a, you know, a book uh, and and, read it, something spiritual. He said, I can tell. Can tell in your language. It's it's not current. It's not you recycling stuff. I've heard from you before. You recycling. You you need to. Do you know what I just have? I just had a friend who moved me from this is me and here I am to this is where I'm meant to be and here I'm going. Can you say amen to? By the way, can I just tell you there are people all along this road. There's if you go this way, there's a bunch of people who will like you. And you'll feel good about it for a little while. And you keep moving in the wrong direction. There's another group of people who will love that. And they'll keep moving. You just throw in a couple of swear words. There's a new community who likes that. Oh, that's how we talk. This is our vibe. These are our people. we just social drinkers. We are sane from Monday to Friday. But Saturday and Sunday, oh, I can't remember. And you keep moving. You're going to find community at every station. You want to be down here. Part of the community of the fellowship of the believer and part of uh, destiny and calling that draws you into something greater. People get to know you, and by getting to know you, they can speak into your life. Secondly, you want to have a person or people in your life that contribute to continuity. God didn't start talking to you today. He's been talking to you for a little while. Does this chapter fit in with the book that God is writing about you? Or is it a shock and a surprise? You know, God builds line by line, step by step, and he sets our paths in a certain direction. I love the idea that he's already prepared a life for me. Make sure that what you choose for your life are people who add to a continuity of what God has been saying. Proverbs 4.25 says, let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet. Then all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. This theme is often in the Bible, the swerving, just straight forward before you, the narrow road, and never turning to the left nor to the right. In the Old Testament, there's a a chapter, or there are a lot of them that say this, but in Deuteronomy 28, it says, if you hear the voice of the Lord and neither turn to the left nor to the right, then these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you. And it's just a list, 14 verses of blessings. Blessings in the country and in the city and blessings going in and coming out. But you know what the trigger is? Don't go left and right when God says go forward. And I want to encourage you tonight 
that you'd be determined to walk forward and not detour. How many of you can admit, you don't have to put your hand up, you've taken a couple of detours in your life. Down a road you shouldn't have gone, landed up in a situation where you suddenly said to yourself, how did I get here? What am I doing here? This isn't me. 1 Corinthians 6, just for good measure. Flee sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside of the body, but whoever commits sexually sins against their own body. This passage of Scripture is a reminder. Those things are just detours that distract you from direction. And if you really want to avoid compromise, don't take detours. And then finally, I want to encourage you that God has a calling on your life. You know, we mistake calling to mean in the church, like a pastor has a calling. Everyone here has a calling. Some of you are called to be employers, CEOs, creators of multinational companies. Some of you are called to be extraordinary parents, to raise another Billy Graham or a Nicholas Bengu. Some of you are called into spaces that seem arbitrary to your friends, but are everything to you. I want to encourage you, have somebody in your life who sees it and calls it out and says, you're more than that. You're bigger than that. You're meant for more. I want to wrap up by telling you my own personal experience about the power of that. In the last maybe year, when my own mind has wondered, should church just be online or gatherings also? Have we entered the new metaverse? You know, should we just lie at home with, you know, goggles on and, and be in some invisible universe? I thought about that. You know, it's, it's an interesting new world we're getting into. In a space of one week, a pastor friend of mine from Durban, I haven't spoken to him in probably five years, sent me an SMS. He said, hey, George, sorry we haven't been in touch. Hope you're well. God just woke me up with this thought that what you're thinking is not what he originally called you to do. Just get back into what he originally called you to do, and he'll resource it and release it in a fresh way. I received it. I SMSed back the usual charismatic, thank you, brother. I received that word. God bless you. And left it at that. It wasn't two days later that a friend in the north coast at KZN, I do speak to him perhaps a bit more often, but he texted me and said, hey, George, I just listened to one of your messages, and I just want you to know, God told me to tell you, just like a steam engine, just keep going and just keep going and just keep going. You're going to bulldoze through all the obstacles and keep going and God's got this. And then I actually went and looked to see if those two pastors were Facebook friends because I thought maybe they talk to each other. Now I'm receiving a prophecy here, but actually it's a strategy. You know, they don't know each other. So I, I, re I received I received it. I, I, I put it down in my heart. And then somebody in Australia, like five days ago, sent me an inbox message. They said, listen, I've been in Australia for three years. Sorry, I forgot to tell you we left PE. I'm in Australia, how's it? No, no, I'm fine, how are you? Listen, I just wanted to tell you that our family are still together because we were at Father's House for five years. We arrived as broken people and God put us back together and we're in Australia now, but we're part of community and we're part of family and I hope that you can keep creating space 
for more broken people to come and be made whole. And who knows where in the world they're going to land up. And I know the Australian people don't know the KZN people for sure. And do you know what I discovered? Those are people calling out from your heart what God has put in and making it alive. You need people like that. And you should be in community and the ultimate unity with somebody who can see in you even more than you have yet seen in you that God has put there and will spend their life saying, come, come. We're almost there, come. God's got a great plan for your life and to release it over your life. Anything less is compromise, even if they're awesome people and they're doing life well. You should be doing the called life really well. Can you say amen to that? Will you receive that tonight? Would you please stand with me? These services, I keep trying to get them to an iron 15 and I feel like a failure. But God is at work. Amen. And we're going to keep structuring what God has in mind and setting it up for a win. I want to pray with you tonight and ask God to release you from any spirit of compromise. And I want to encourage you not to fall into the temptation of nice instead of spiritually significant. And if you're in a space where you feel like you have compromised, I want to set you free from that. It's not the end of the future. For God is able to make all things work together. Can you say amen? So Lord, thank you for the privilege and the power of an authentic walk with you. Tonight, we reject a spirit of compromise. We won't even accept something that is good for now, but not good forever. Instead, we commit ourselves, Lord, to wait upon the Lord. And Lord, we will, we will commit ourselves to building a community, a net of people in our lives that carry well, and for whom we will carry well. And teach us, Lord, to take steps in the direction of forever, not in the direction of just for now. And Lord, for those of us here who have compromised and have fallen into distraction, taken some detour and gone down some dead-end road, in the name of Jesus, we cut it off tonight. We heal from it in Jesus' name. And we set our hearts on journey after you, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, hey, would you give God one more shout of praise and worship? And thanks for the-